3: Oh, Oh,
4: Recorded live.
3: Hey, welcome
4: to this crazy, crazy nightmare we call Beyond Reality Paranormal Talk Radio. After having a few struggling difficulties here, we
3: are live.
4: We have been off for a while, so this is sort of a less us whistle sort of show. Open round table just for free to uh, chime in when needed. Uh, today should be pretty interesting, you know pretty interesting show. Of course, we have our hosts Kelly Griffin and Jan Reynolds, and we have a lot of guests already have called into the queue. So we have David Oman, um, we have Judy Jeremiah from the Doctors Within show, we have Deborah Fawcett, um, and we have author James Percy Jr. And if I have missed anybody, well, feel free to correct me. Um, people are wondering, what will the topic be today? God only knows, I'm beyond reality. Your guess is as good as mine, but welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you, I Yeah, you're (laughs)
3: welcome. So the biggest
4: question I should be asking everybody, what are your hopes and goals for 2017? What are your plans? Let's just start with James Firsty, Jr. first. James, uh, what's your goals and hopes for 2017 versus what you achieved in 2016?
5: Uh, probably just more of the same, bro. I got another novel coming out, and I've got uh, the radio station going now. We've got multiple shows, so just try to build that and try to build the YouTube channel and all that kind of stuff and hopefully do some more shows with you guys because this is always a blast, especially when David's on. <laughs>
4: I hear that. I hear that. Well, it looks like my goal for 2017 will be to figure out what in the hell's in my house, um, and I don't mean people, you know, occupied either. So that's probably my most immediate goal. We and to finish getting
3: our shit unpacked and so forth. But we have uh, we have something here.
4: You
6: need
4: to get Ed Becker
6: over there to investigate your house. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he'll pass on that one,
4: though. He'll probably pass on that one. He's probably seen enough ghostly activity for a lifetime. So I doubt he's going to be, he's good to give advice on. He'll come and, you know, he'll give you advice, I mean, but as far as being involved in, in the paranormal that way, I doubt that's going to happen. But I sure don't blame him. Um is that your new
3: house? <laughs> Say again? Is is that your new house that's haunted, bro? Yeah. Move oh, <laughs> <Where laughs> out. To to let me let me put
4: it this way, you're moving through a house, okay? And you know, here we are in a whole different state. It's just it's a new and it's a newer home too. Well, not really new. I mean it was built like in two thousand, something like that. So but I mean you know, four days ago I, I pulled into my garage door into my into my house and I had accidentally left early in the morning and uh I get back several hours later and the garage door's up. Well I know I, I knew I forgot to close the damn thing it was early in the morning. My coffee was more important than closing the damn garage door, so that's explainable, obviously. But when I pulled into the garage door and I just parked, turned the engine off, I started to get out of the car, the damn garage door closes behind me. And I'm like, and I'm waving to, I'm thinking somebody's there at the door, my daughter or somebody, and I, I'm like, you know, I'm looking at, well, hey, nobody's standing there to, to, to hit the uh, garage door because I'm the only one at the house. So that was pretty weird. So I'm like being Mr. you know, Mr. Scientific there and trying to find a logical explanation. So I called the garage door company. I said, hey, I know this thing has sensors. Is it possible for this garage door, after being open all day, you pair into it, you know, does it trip the sensor and the door will close? And they laughed at me. And they're like, no, the sensor, only sensor has is if you're back down, the garage store's coming down, it'll go back up versus crashing into your car. And that I thought to myself, well, great. So there's nothing explainable there. Uh, And then there's been a lot of different incidents happening, you know, lights turning on and, uh, you know, our dormer, we have two main dining rooms that link each other by uh, these uh, dormer windows or or doors, floor doors. And uh, certain times on the day or night, they just rattle like shit, you know. And I'm like thinking to myself, well, must be one of the animals. There's no animals around. So that's not explainable. And, uh, I mean, there's just been a lot of stuff. There's like somebody's playing, or like a little child's playing in the dining room, which is kind of weird at various times at night when the lights are off and we're all being quiet and getting ready for bed. So there's been a lot of weird stuff Uh, that's not really explainable. But we're on it. uh, So that's what's going on with us. Is
7: that in your new place, oven?
4: Yeah, yeah.
7: Wow, so, wow, that, that's, like, unreal.
4: Well, it caught me by surprise, and it caught my wife by surprise, because certainly you move into a place, you're not expecting that, you know. So and if it ends up or whatever, then you have to find way to do with it. But if not, well, then it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but I got uh, a
7: lot of people. I got a lot of things going on in the spring, too, you know?
8: Yeah. It almost uh, makes you wonder if what we
0: do,
7: is yeah, you know, what right we involved now. in. If, if what well, I we're involved have, in. Uh, yeah. I have, uh, it's called Cliff Chef. it's up here in Ishpeming, Michigan. Yeah. I spoke with a historian up here, and um, what I proposed to him, because there's, like, tunnels under there that, they can't open up to the public for tours. So I told him, I says, well, let's do this. Let's do ghost tours, and all the proceeds will go towards the restoration of the mine. And he was he's, like, all for it. So that's what I got going this spring up here in Michigan, you know?
4: Yeah. Oh, Michigan. It's been cold, too. I'm not used to being as cold as it is, so... And in Oregon, it's not a third is cold, so that's one thing, but that's all right.
7: Well, yeah, it's so, not, <laughs> yeah, not being as cold. I mean, when I got up here two years ago, there was like four feet of snow, and now there's like, we got snow up here, but not like it was when I got here two years ago, you know? Yeah,
3: yeah, I hear that. Well, well uh, it's in the 70s no. here
8: today, so. Um, Evan, I think we have Deborah Fawcett on. Can you unmute her? From the haunted Ola County Jail.
3: I'll see. Um, yeah, I'll try.
4: Hold on, I I have to walk from one end of the room to the upstairs.
3: Oh. Hold oh. on. <laughs> I'm not walking. Telling you right now. Is it, she to, be gone, possibly, to be Or what? <laughs> I'm sorry. She should just
7: <laughs> be going right in. I don't know who she is, but. So.
3: She's well, going
7: to right into the
4: phone
3: when
7: you fall.
4: Well, we'll take a look here. And...
9: Yeah, Rebecca's on, uh, by the way. Hi, guys.
3: Hey. Hi. How Hi. are you? <laughs> Good. Hi, guys.
9: Hello. So, what do you have going on this year? Oh, I'm going to be really busy. Um, I'm up for a television show, I got to go to Los Angeles pretty soon to do a, um, do the reel for the, the show and then we got to do the proposal meeting and it's going to be like a, a, I lead amateur ghost hunters around some of the most haunted places in America is what the theme of the off. show is going to be. Come yeah. Off. That and is going to be so exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty pumped. Um, I'm helping out with a, a private task force of mediums for a private, you know, to do private cases for missing persons that I'm getting started in. Um, my book will be out hopefully soon, and I'm going to be doing events all over. I, I've, the biggest one I'm going to be doing is Mishparacon, which is in the Sioux of Michigan, where I'll be doing uh, wiki board readings for people. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's going to be –
8: and about this – can you tell us a little bit about the show, or is it still kind of a big secret?
9: Um, That's basically – it's just going to be me and, like, three people that are interested in the paranormal that have never investigated, and we're going to be going to some of the most time. – we're going to be going to Waverly – and the Hillsdale House and yeah, taking Yeah, the, off with the amateur
6: stuff. Yeah, right. we'll, yeah.
9: yeah, we'll start them off with the real bad stuff and scare them.
6: <laughs> See if they schedule trip number two.
9: Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to be, you know, taking them to all the most haunted places in America. And if the show goes well, then we'll be doing some in Europe as well.
5: Cool. That sounds really interesting.
9: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, these people have absolutely no experience. They just have interest. So they're going to get a taste of what it's like to go on an actual investigation uh, with a medium. Oh,
3: that'd be yeah, awesome. you should
5: get some really good uh, reaction shots out of that too. There should be some classic ones. Oh yeah, oh. that's what they're
9: hoping. That's what they're hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> they said they're going to do their best, you know, to put them in situations where they're going to be scared. So
3: <laughs> uh, <there you> go. <laughs> Yeah.
8: I get to do that this year for the first time, and I cannot wait. We're going to do the Stockyards, um, Miss Molly's, and we have a psychic medium going with us, and it's going to be a blast.
9: Oh, good. Yeah, you'll have fun. I'm doing the Bruce Mansion in February. I'm doing the Hillsdale House this spring, and I'm doing the Royal Oak Firehouse also in February. So that's the three... Investigations I have going so far this year, but I'm sure I'll get a lot more.
6: That's a cool lineup to start.
9: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the Bruce Mansion because that place has a really uh, interesting yeah. history. <laughs> and
8: can you tell everybody about your book um, from last year That's, and, and where
9: we can get it?
8: And you're you're working on a
9: new one as well. Um. You can get my book on uh, Kindle and the new one's called Living Empathic, which is going to be a guide for people that are empathic on how to live with their gifts so they're, they're not, you know, so they don't have so many struggles with a, everyday life because being highly sensitive is hard. Very so nice. I've, I've got exercises for people to do, how to separate their emotions from other people's emotions. Um, just give them something so they know they're not crazy and they're not by themselves. <laughs> You know.
6: There's a definite need for that. I mean a lot of people that are empathic uh have no clue
9: how to deal with that. Right, they don't. No, that, they don't. That's the and first
8: book I've heard of like this, you know, Deborah. Hi Deborah, how are you? I'm fine, Kelly <laughs> How
6: are you doing?
8: That's me. <laughs> doing well. Doing well. Um, I really need that book. I I know a lot of people that will need that. So oh, yeah. you can do it on Amazon what's it called?
9: The first
3: living one empathic. is
9: living. Yeah, it's living empathic.
6: I'm making a note. <laughs> I oh.
8: <laughs> yeah, she didn't email me or nothing. Tell me a book was out. Oh, hi Jan. I love <laughs> you. <laughs> I love you too, Rebecca. <laughs>
9: Uh, we both had car accidents, like like real close together, so that's interesting. Wow. Yeah, she just had one. When did you have yours?
6: It was like a week ago, Dan, huh?
9: Yeah, uh, I had one on when, Saturday.
3: W- Wednesday. Oh
9: Wednesday. no. Yeah, wow. I got t boned on Saturday, so. Some
3: oh no. Still recovering from
9: that. Yeah. Oh. I
8: Saw that. Everybody's okay though. Oh yeah, I'm just a little banged up, but.
4: Oh God, don't don't talk about the word being T bone. I was oh man, I was road raged Road ranged on Monday morning it was about Oh wow. Six forty oh. in the morning and I'm on the expressway and uh, I'm in the fast lane. I'm going seventy two. The speed limit sixty. I'm like, You really? You know, and this guy he uh pulls up <laughs> alongside me and he puts his brakes on me. I'm like, Well, thank God he's on the other side. Also, to get in behind me, I wasn't going fast enough for him, so he wanted to pull over on the right side of he to tell me, hey, you're not going fast enough. Um, I went, I, I don't know, I've got my morning coffee in my hand. And I gave him the old proverbial, you know, fuck you. And uh, he got pissed off and went out behind my car. And then he decided he wanted to uh, rear end me or try to rear end me and force me into the guardrail. Uh, the oh, my goodness. Room. And uh, so I'm like, well, I'd rather have this guy rear end me than hit me on the side. Um, Yeah, because I got a little compact car. And I'm like, I'd rather be rear-ended than, you know, smashed in the side. So I gave him the proverbial brake job since he was literally, you know, I don't even think he was three inches from my bumper. And uh, he didn't like that. He he locked up his brakes, and uh, he thought for sure I was just going to stop, you
5: know, completely.
4: And then all of a sudden, uh, out of the rearview mirror, we see him trying to pass me on the left side. There's only one lane on the left side. I'm on the far left side. And there wasn't room for him to pass there. So, And he, he got it. So now he's probably going 90, I'm sure. And I had to swing over the right lane, nearly missing another vehicle that was on my right side, so he could pass me. Um and I thought, wow! I mean, this guy was certifiably like freaking nuts. Wow! Um, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that, I really have to say that's probably the first real road rage incident that I've had where somebody actually physically tried to use their vehicle to, to run me off the road. It was kind of a kind of a frightening experience. Um, oh, I bet. Yeah, it was pretty pretty wild. I guess we drive pretty wild here. So, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> so you
3: know, but, that's uh, why I love
5: living up in the mountains, man. Because I don't even have to see another car if I don't want to. You know, I'm more likely to run into a bear than I am some <laughs> idiot in the car. To hit me. <laughs> well,
3: I don't know. I'd
4: rather run into a car than a bear. I, I don't know. I don't.
5: I don't like bears. No, oh, <laughs> nice, man. They won't hurt you.
4: I mean, I've never told you about the incident where the bear stole my fucking fishing pole, did I? That's well, true. The <laughs> you know,
5: bear stole your fishing pole? i got to hear story. Yes,
4: the bear stole my fishing pole, true fact. I was, we used to go up um, in Oregon, in the uh, National Forest, and we go fishing up there on the Clackamas River, and... Um, we decided to go to a different area, and we're pretty far up the mountain, you know, almost halfway up the mountain, and we're in the wilderness where there's there's a lake there. And there's also a lot of tall cliffs with pine trees and so on. And and uh, we found this really cool cave, you know, and we're like, hey, check out this cave. Well, this time of year, uh, these damn bears hibernate, obviously, and when you wake up a bear when it's in hibernation, you're going to get your ass tore up. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But being stupid, as we were obviously back then,
3: we walked
4: <laughs> in with all our gear. But i tell you what, when I woke up, we went out and had no gear. So, yes, the damn bear stole my fishing stuff. That's the, <laughs> end of the story. Yeah.
5: Yeah, so I caught you. I've <laughs> three times up here in the woods. I've been face-to-face three times with bears. And the first two times were really cool. We just kind of hung out, looked at each other, you know, decided to go our separate ways, no worries. And the last time, um, I actually walked up on a, on a mother with her cud. And I was coming around the ridge, and I walked around the corner, and there she stood, and her little babies were there with her. And I, I just looked at her, and I said, oh, shit, because I knew I was in big trouble. And she stood up, leaving, just like they do in the movie, that scary look, where they stand up with the claws and the whole face and, oh, and all that, you know. And I said, oh, my God. And I thought, okay, you're supposed to make yourself look big and make a lot of noise is what they call you, right? But I, I could tell she was in no mood to play around with me, so I wasn't going to do that. So I decided, well, really my legs decided more than my head to run away. So I took off running from this bear. And bears can run like 35 miles an hour. They can climb trees. You're not going to outrun a bear.
3: But I got lucky
5: because when I went around the ridge, I tripped over my own feet and I fell down the ridge. And I'm coupling down the mountain, you know, head over ass, just dungle, dungle, dungle all the way down. So she followed me like 10 or 15 yards and then turned around and went back to her baby. So I didn't get eaten, thank God, or mauled or anything like that, but I was rather sore.
0: And when I got to the bottom,
5: I landed in a frickin' thorn bush. And I spent the rest of the day picking thorns out of my ass with a pair of pliers.
8: Uh, that sounds like my year, James, exactly. <laughs> I wonder, are you yeah. supposed to actually run from the bears? Because I've heard that you're not supposed to run from them. You're supposed to stand there and be very still. Maybe
3: it's a different story if they have a baby. I don't know. You're talking about running. You're talking about running
4: running for something. Yeah, kind of came in a bad picture in my eyes. I'm thinking of Zach running out of the house because he's seen a ghost. I
3: think
4: to myself, what the hell is he there for? Why is he running from the ghost that he's supposed to be filming to get evidence? Uh,
8: Something not right there, yeah, I think yeah. when we when we do what we do, all of us you know it that's, that's going to be expected're we've opened that door we're looking for answers, and they're like, you know here we are <laughs> we're right, so yeah, I that's think right. that's um, absolutely normal you know we i've said this before, my house is so haunted that now it's just a matter of you know just coexisting they don 't really bother me anymore, but you know, here and there, funny stuff. But um, I know that I've asked them for answers, and they're there. So, yeah, yeah I, th- I think yeah. that's to be expected in anything we do. <laughs> any of us, really.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. No,
4: I will tell you, I'm supposed to be this big, bad, tough paranormal guy, but when you start experiencing stuff for firsthand yourself, it's kind of
6: kind of yeah. different,
4: isn't it? Right. It's not but the it's same. It's a
6: little it's different, different, different. when it's in
4: your own it really is. You know, you think about well maybe I should have did this or maybe I shouldn't say that or you know, but the problem is that that when when it's happening at that moment it's a whole different thing, whole different thing.
3: Whole different yep. situation. So um, Yeah, and
8: if it's new you don't know who's at that door. That's the thing.
0: <clears throat> exactly.
8: Don't call that. Yeah, sometimes you, if it's brand new and you've not been around it, you, you don't know who or what or why. It's intimidating. It's very yeah. intimidating. I know I went at the jail where Deborah F. Fawcett, she's on the line, um, at the haunted over Buckley County Jail. That is one of the most haunted places I've ever been in my life. I mean, there's constant. And they talk to you.
3: <laughs> they talk to
8: you. They appear. It's, it's nuts. But it was really exciting for me because Deborah's there, and she's, you know, she's so um, used to it, and she knows them. So Deborah, <laughs> are you there? I'm here.
3: Yeah. Um, how's it going
8: it. at the <clears throat> How's it going at the jail? What do y'all have going on?
6: Well, we've uh, just recently done some more filming, and uh, it's booked up pretty much on the weekends right now because, you know, absolutely, it's cooler. Uh, uh, it continues to be the Twilight Zone episode that it is. <laughs> uh, you witnessed some of that firsthand. I always tell people it goes uh, just a little bit beyond uh, just being haunted, and it's hard to explain that to people unless you experience some of the weird things that happen there. But I'm 20 months into renovations and it's coming along. It's uh, I mean I've even done a lot of things since you were there last. Work in progress, labor love.
8: Yes, Yes, it is. And that's the the difference, you know. It is a labor of love. I had someone there that um, mimicked Deborah when we were doing an investigation and talked to me through the wall, and I thought I was talking to Deborah. Oh, wow. I said, what "What are you doing in there? Because I heard banging. She was banging around, and I thought she was bringing out mattresses. So I said, Deborah, um, are you okay? She was like, yeah. I said, do you need help? She goes, no. I said, okay. So I hear bang, 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 and then all of a sudden she walks out of the jail. This was in that, the little bungalow next to me, who I was talking through the wall. There was nobody in there. So, yeah, I, <laughs> and that's and like, not the first time.
6: Uh, and that, I mean, Even showing up in photographs of people long after I went to bed, I mean, it's just so weird, but... I, I long ago stopped trying to wrap my head around that, and I know I'm not going to figure it out. It is what it is, but it sure is interesting, fascinating. Uh, it's a whole new right. realm for me. That I mean, I've been a paranormal investigator for 45 years, but this is uh, kicking the game up a notch. Being at the old jail.
8: Yeah, that's well, my personal experiences. I'm sorry, Evan. Go ahead.
6: No, no, go ahead. Uh, I was
4: just going to make a smart-ass comment anyway. When she said you? that she was a paranormal investigator for 45 years, I was going to say, but you're only 45, so that ain't happening. <laughs> and, anyway, all right. That's right. She got that wrong. Brownie points. Yeah, yeah you've got to be nice to Deborah because she'll get you. She will. She's used to whooping the ghost ghost's butt, so I don't want my butt whooped. Not only uh, that.
8: Not only
3: that, they're inmates, so
6: (laughs) They're inmate ghosts, so she is the (laughs) shit. You can't be intimidated, and, uh, you know, I I have to be there all the time, and I spend a lot of time in there at night working because it's cooler, and you've got to uh, not be intimidated and make friends right off the bat, so that helps.
4: You know, somebody asked me a good question the other day. She says, I've got a ghost in my house. I wanna make friends with it, but how in the hell do I know if it's something I wanna make friends with? It's a very good point.
6: Well, you have to communicate a lot and still even doing that, you can't trust what they tell you as being the honest God truth. Sometimes they lie and sometimes they're not who they say they are. <laughs>
3: oh
4: God. Yeah.
6: Hey, did we
4: lose did yeah. we lose Deb, did we lose David Alman or is he still on regular mute?
3: I missed all that. Huh? I I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I said, did we lose David elements?
4: I'm here. I'm back on. <laughs> oh, back was I was back on. I was on the other
3: side. <laughs> 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 <Why did> you...
1: <laughs> uh, I spent a little more time than I wanted to be over on the other side, but I'm back.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you understand? Oh, yeah.
1: Those of you who know the inside joke, get it. Yeah.
3: I'm, I'm, I'm I'm there. if those who don't
1: understand, will think we're talking about something totally different. But let them feel what <laughs> and believe what they believe. And and you know that's that's our inside joke. Very yeah. inside, deep deep
4: inside. So so. <laughs> hey, David, one of your one of your ghost one of your ghostly friends. You know, your ghost friend told me that you really like. Um Zack Baggins is that true?
1: Oh, oh, you mean you mean you, you, you heard through the to the ghost the ghost grapevine that I'm a fan of, of, of hack 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 Zaggins. Yes, I am a real I'm a real big fan or a can of uh Zack Haggins or Jack Baggins. Or is Zaggins? I forgot what the hell his name was. I mean you could put a you could put a you could honestly put a bag of dog poop in front of me and say that and him. I'd say, Yeah, I guess so. I wouldn't know the difference. Light it on fire. It'd be the same difference, you know. Just a little <laughs> hot shit, that's all. Ooh, that was
4: bad. That was really bad. So, so what you're saying is you did not appreciate his assessment in his book of him saying you were possessed.
1: Yeah, you know, there's something interesting to that whole commentary that he wrote in his book two years ago, I Am Haunted, which it was more like it should have been I Am Hunted. Um but uh, he wrote three and a half pages claiming that I, I possess. I can't say it without laughing. Um, <laughs> that I possess hours and abilities to know when the figurines in my house are going to get knocked over, which is a total lie. I mean, <laughs> Kellyanne Conway doesn't lie as, lies about as much as Zach does. I mean, he went on, out on a limb saying that I knew when the figurines were going to get knocked over. And you watched the episode, and I said, you know, the figurines get knocked over. I don't know when they're going to get knocked over. I'm not told beforehand that they're going to get knocked over, but he <laughs> went off and said that I was able to tell when the figurines were going to get knocked over, and when something bad was going to happen in the house. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say. It, it, it paints a picture that I'm kind of like a warlock, or a witch, or, I'm, or I have tele, telekinetic powers to move objects, or to know um, what's the word, telekinesis, and also um, telepathic powers to know from the spirits when they're going to do something which is a complete fabrication. In other words, it's a lie. I don't know when things are going to get knocked
3: over. I mean, <laughs> I mean hey, wait, look, look,
1: look, look, wait, wait, wait if, if God forbid if God forbid Zach was right in what he said that I have the ability to know when the figurines are going to get knocked <laughs> over don't you think for one tenth of one millisecond the first thing I would do if I knew I had the power to do it what Buddy Epson did in the Twilight Zone episode where he had the power to maneuver, manipulate objects like his partner took him up to Las Vegas so he would play craps so he would make sure that every time the dice were rolled. He'd hit the number that he was on, you know, had his money on, or else he'd hit, you know, seven, or you know. And it's like, God, if I had that power, you stupid son of a bitch. The first thing I'd do is hijack Las Vegas and be a billionaire. I'd go right to your home, your home side there, Zach, and take a leak on your front door. I mean, how stupid is this commentary? It's like
0: David knows
1: when the figurines are going to get knocked over. God, if I had that. Yeah. I practice my ass off and hone that skill and say, okay, if I can know in the figurines, let's see if I can start working this with, uh, with a pair of Las Vegas dice. I'll start practicing here against the walls of the house, throwing the dice and say, come on, I'm thinking of a seven. Bring me a seven. And pr- practice and become a real professional at being able to hook and rook the, the <laughs> dice. But in truth and factuality, I have no clue. I'm as human as you guys are.
2: And, <laughs> and
1: it's like you know and I and I'm possessed. Uh, I David's possessed. It's like really, Zach <laughs> Really so you know if what? it
3: was, <laughs> if, if it was after, book, gosh, after book
8: after book after after show after show after show. You would be a Brazilianaire, like you said. I mean that that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs>
1: it makes no sense exactly and and then if i was that gifted i'd be getting in the heads of producers for television to say okay you want to <laughs> have david omen on your show you want to have david <laughs> omen on your show you want to call david Oman. you want to call him and have him on your tv show you want to make a show about him oh yes yes i have these powers i have the gift i can make things happen i can what kind of foolhardy crock of crap is that
3: I mean, come
1: on! Yeah, really, Zach. I can do these things. And hey, Zach, while you're at it, thinking of the things I can do, think about the things I'm gonna do to get back at you for writing this nonsense in a book and making me out to be a crack a crackerhead. I mean, you know, can <laughs> I? I said, Zach, if I'm possessed, you better watch the, you know, f out because I'm gonna be coming and gunning for you, boy. You've you've toyed with the wrong devil. I mean, it's so stupid what he says, and it's like, well, you know, I'm going to say this. and It's like, well, say that, but there's a further extension of that thought if you carry it to the 18th degree that if I'm so possessed and I'm so all-powerful and capable and have such the end with the ghosts the last person on the world you'd want to piss off would be this person that's so goddamn gifted him with a spirit. Considering Shiba, ah, he, he shits in his own backyard considering the fact that he, he torments and taunts and he gets aggressive with spirits and he's claiming that I am such a gifted individual that I'm possessed. Gee, the last thing I'd want to do is go kick, kick the balls in of the goddamn king sitting on the throne to then say, hey, asshole, I'm going to kick you in the balls and call you all these names. How do you like that? Well, the next thing is the is <laughs> going to come down from the thumb and squash you under his foot. I mean, it's so stupid. It's yeah, like, bam, right between the eyes. You I'm know,
8: pretty sure so. no one takes him serious. Mm-hmm. We know who the real quack is, and, you know, I think we can all agree on
4: that. <laughs> I, 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 I
3: do. I've I've got a like, good David, I,
4: I do. Hey, David, I've got, a good, I've got a good solution for you, David. You, you hop on an airplane... Just your ass to Vegas and go shit in the guy's bushes at his museum. There we go, man. <laughs> Why it's in that. the bushes? If I was gonna to fly
1: to Vegas and I was gonna do something, I wouldn't go pop, clap crap in the bushes where no one saw it. I'd take it right in front of his doorstep and say with a with a note on it saying, Here's a gift for you.
3: you a housewarming gift king. to your new
1: museum. But I don't play that kind of stupidity. To me it, you know, if I went to, when I go to Vegas, the last thing I'm gonna do is give him a dime to go into his restaurant. Haunted museum. Really, Jack? You're turning into a carnival barker, which we all knew that's who you were. You're a cheap freaking cardboard cutout of a gosh darn person, a parasolab, not even anymore. It's like I I have a haunted museum. Wow. It's like really You know who has you know who's, this came this idea came from, this haunted museum crap? Was really Scott Michaels of Dearly Departed Tours. Scott has his own Death Hag Museum where he has Different items and, uh, and personal possessions and belongings of different individuals who have passed away that were famous, such as he has Jane Mansfield's car that she was killed in. He actually has that in his museum. And I think that Zach got a little bit bummed out and bugged by the fact that, you know, here's this guy, Scott Michaels, with Dearly Departed Tours and Find a Death. He's been around for years and years and years, long before Zach even had the half ass idea to steal Nick Broff's idea for the show, you know, mm-hmm. those adventures. So the, the the joke is that I think it was penal envy in a sense, that he was, had a hard-on for what <laughs> what Scott Michaels had, and Scott's had this for years. I mean, Scott's got some of the bricks from Sharon Tate's um, fireplace. He's got other... Different oh, wow. some, I mean He's got things that are really wild, and has had this museum for years, long before Zach decided to go and, I'm going to go jump on the bandwagon and have a museum, and blah, <laughs> blah. <laughs> well, I didn't mean, he
9: buy? Didn't he buy a yeah. haunted house at one point too?
1: He bought the demon yeah. house. house in Great. Iowa or Idaho. I forgot where it was. And he also bought Jack Kevorkian's, you know, VW yeah. Killbuck. the van, right? Yeah. He bought he bought a a, a what was it? The 1950 serial killer's uh, cast iron cauldron that he boiled and cooked his victims' entrails in. And claims it's haunted. To me, when I heard he bought all these these items, I said, Those aren't haunted items. Those are things that belong in Scott Michael's, you know, death museum, museum of death. Because so he's that's basically what it comes the Michael from.
9: Jackson he's the Michael Jackson of the paranormal.
1: Oh, God, that's, that's, that's such a disrespect for the memory of Michael. You can't even... you know, I, can't even, I can't even justify <laughs> that statement and, and validate that with a, yes, it is. Because, no, Michael wasn't, no, but let's be honest here. Michael was a talent beyond oh, all very, others. Oh, very, very much so. I, I can't so. say anything remotely close about a hack-ass, like, like Jackass, Zach-ass. Sorry, I don't <laughs> see that at all. I think that's a disservice and a dis a discrediting of Michael Jackson. I mean, if anybody – I don't think there's anybody – I can't even say P.T. Barnum would be a close comparison. No. Because <laughs> P.T. P. Barnum, again, P.T. Barnum had a real sensibility about getting things done and doing them in a way that was never done before in marketing. You know, Ixnay You-Know-Who, the name was Paris Celeb, He's a he's a con artist. He's a thief. He's a, he steals from people's ideas and uses them to his own effect. But that's not being the first or an original. You see, P. T. Barnum was the first that said go find, go to the what what is he said um, the famous line he says he goes see what, see the egress and people didn't know what the egress was egress meant exit in Latin. And people would leave the building because he said he found it that in his museums people would sit there and stay and mull around in the same area for, for hours and hours. And he said, I finally got to get the gosh darn flow of people moving. Otherwise, I'm going to have no ba- ability to bring more people into my museum and my Museum of Oddities, as it was, as P.T. Barnum had in New York. Says, so what I decided to do is was I put a sign over the exit that says, see the egress. And people are like, oh, this is something. Let's see what this is. And it threw them <laughs> out, and it got them out of there. And it's like, oh, my God, how funny is that? But, that's you
9: that's know, amazing.
1: To, to, to rip the people off and take, take their ideas and steal from them is flattering, but it's not something that I really would say, you know, wow, he's the first of his kind. Far from it. He's just, you know, a, um, a copycat. And there's nothing. there's no trick to being a copycat and to stealing other people's ideas like he did with Nick's show. Um, in any event, I just don't like him, and nor do the spirits that are here in the house and those that are around him when, they, when he was here last three years ago. They, they gave him, what, four, five, and six, all the way to a million. Um, you know, he, he, he had a six-hour lockdown scheduled. They started at 9. At 9.05, they had to stop because all the equipment basically jammed up. And they had an equipment failure for an hour, so they started at 10 and went from 10 o'clock to 1 in the morning. And they blew out of here at 1 o'clock. And I said, you guys, you have three more hours left under your six-hour lockdown. They go, nope, we're done. We have enough uh, evidence. We've we've got more than enough. uh, We're out of here. Goodbye. And we're sick for the next three (laughs) days after they visited here.
2: And I've oh, never man. had
1: anybody. I've had I've had thousands of people visit the house. I'm not kidding you. Thousands of people in the past 14 years that have been here, and no one, including Dr. Barry Taff, which is the second extreme case of having problems here at the house, has anyone ever told me that they've had problems like they had here ever? Now
8: I saw that you so, had Mary Kate Olson there at one time. Is that was that her? I saw the It was one. Mary, Kate, or Ashley Olsen? I saw a picture of you with her. I thought it was No, no, else. no. There
1: was a picture of me and Kesha. Kesha was here. Oh, Lindsay Lohan has been here. Okay. Um, Rob been Gronkowski and his brother have been here. Yeah, uh, Lynn, the, the Olsen twins have never been here, no.
3: Okay. Well,
8: speaking of your house, yeah, I saw a special the other day, and I was going to see if you saw it and what your opinion was. I think it was on, um, it was on the, not the ID channel. Um, an hour special on Sharon Tate and the
3: and the Sharon Tate
8: murders, and there was a lot of things that came out of that that I didn't know, you know, like a lot of a lot of details. It was just horrid. But um, anyway, I was going ask to away. I'm
1: that. I'm being told. Ask away if you want some clarification on some of your questions, because a lot of those shows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got it. I'm being told by the spirits around here that it's like, yeah, there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of um, myth, as I was just yelled at. A lot of myth surrounding (laughs) the murders. And it's a lot of, all right, all right, all right, all right. They want me to clear one major myth up because obviously this is important. People Magazine had this special edition about the Sharon Tate murders a few months ago. I think it was a year ago. And there was an article about a woman who claimed that she was spared by an act of fate, that she didn't come to Sharon Tate's house for the party. And it was this whole big article about she was lucky, she didn't go to the party, she had a problem with her car, blah, blah, blah. And um, the irony is is there was right. never, ever any party going to be at Sharon Tate's house the night of the murders, Period. Every single sob, and I call them out as she says to do so, that claims they were supposed to be at the party at her house, including and she most 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 egregiously hates the one from Chuck Norris, that he claims that he was supposed to be at the party of the house that night, and that if he with Bruce Lee and had Bruce Lee and he been there, it would have been a whole another story as far as these people were concerned, and there wouldn't have been any murders at all
0: mm-hmm. to the
1: for the victims. And it's yeah. the biggest, most sensationalist, sensationalistic, salacious crock of shit story that has ever been spun the yarn of yarns by people who are sick. Here's yeah. wow. in the oil in the head for claiming that they were supposed to, because I'll, I'll just lay down a few simple, honest facts that we all know, period. Sharon Tate was eight and a half months pregnant. She was going had gone to dinner with the two people that lived at the house with her, who, who was her dear friend Abigail Folger, heiress to the Folger Coffee Empire, and her boyfriend, fiancé Wojciech Vykowski, who was Roman Polanski's boyhood friend. Those two were supposed to be at the house that night because they were living at the house for the past five days. They were there because Roman had said, "Look, I'm going to go out of town. I need somebody to stay at the house. I'm working in New York on the movie Rosemary's Baby. Could you please stay at the house with Sharon just in case she needs anything?" So they said, "Fine, we'll stay in the guest bedroom." So they were living there. Jay Sebring was Sharon Tate's ex-fiance, which, which I'm being told is the biggest joke because, according to Sharon's sister Deborah, the only remaining relative of Sharon's family, who's still alive, makes the comment that that's just her friend. And it's the biggest disservice to Jay's memory because Jay and Sharon were engaged to be married. Yeah. And it's really kind of sad. He was, there, was a, there was a deeper relationship there than just good friends. You know, he still loved her, and he was there, and they had all gone to this dinner together at the El Coyote. Okay. So the four people, the four of them were the only four supposed to be there that night and were the only four people that were going to be there that night. They had gotten back around 10, 30, 11 o'clock from having dinner at the El Coyote. No one was going to come over to the house. The oddball character Stephen Parent was the 18-year-old kid who was going to see William Gerritsen, who was the caretaker who lived in the guest house, on in the uh, on the property, and he was the only person else that was going to be there that night, and he was a fluke. So let's get that the simple facts down right off the bat. Secondly, we have a comment, we have a statement from Sharon's sister, Deborah, on the day of the murders, saying that she had called, spoken to her sister, and the telephone records show this that there was a call between Sharon and Deborah's house, between Sharon and, and her mom's house where Deborah was, and Deborah said, "I want to come over tonight and." Sharon said, no, Deborah, I'm taking it easy. I'm just feeling a little bit tired. I don't want to be doing anything. I'm not having anybody over some other time maybe, but it's just a little bit tough for me, which would resonate with the fact that she's eight and a half months pregnant. She is trying to rest. Why would she have a party? It's her first child. She was very much looking forward to having her first child. She wasn't going to jeopardize having a bunch of people over, as people have asserted, oh, she was doing drugs. No, Sharon wasn't doing drugs at this point of the guy of her pregnancy. She was looking forward to her pregnancy and just very much happily getting ready for that and wasn't going to have a late night of it at all. They were all, coincidentally, Sharon was in her nightgown, Wojciech was in his pajamas, and Abigail was in in her nightgown negligee. So the idea that people want to make this out to discredit Sharon's character and assassinate it, saying she was a first-time mother who was derelict of responsibility and was having a party the night that she was killed is just a sick, sick statement of their delusion of trying to associate themselves with a tragedy and saying, you know, well, I was supposed to. Really? One person starts to lie, everybody else jumps on the bandwagon. Just like the story with Woodstock.
0: (laughs)
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold that thought for a second. Hold that thought Alright, for just a second. Joining us live is uh Chris of Flock. so we we'll heard from her before she has to do some readings. Oh. Uh Chris Flack, welcome to beyond Reality Paramount Talk Radio where you never know what the hell we'll be discussing. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, it sounds scary. Sounds a little
8: frightening, but hello
3: everyone. Hi Chris.
8: Hi Hi, Chris. Hi. So many people. How's everyone doing?
3: Good. So Hi. We're, right. <laughs> <laughs> we're
4: doing good. We're all doing good. I I'm starting to settle in now and, and uh you know, if you're out this way, uh because I don't live in Oregon anymore, so if you're ever out this way, Uh, You're welcome to check out and see where my ghost is here. Uh, We have something here, and we don't know what the hell it is. And (laughs) I'm not going to feed into it, but I'm just taking notes.
8: Well, if I ever get back on the road, I definitely will. I've been dealing with some um, health issues lately, just getting everything in order with my life and trying to make myself okay. And then once I'm okay, I might be back on the road. You never know where I'll end up.
3: Yeah,
4: So. so... do you have any big major announcements or plans for 2017 or are you going to kind of chill for a while?
8: Um, you know, this year I'm really just trying to focus on my health and trying to get that back on track right now. Um, unfortunately, it's not going too well, so, you know, I'm going to deal with the diagnosis and I'm going to do – what i need to do to try to get myself better and back on track and then hopefully i'll be back on the road and going to cases and helping people because that's where i belong and you know it's yeah. enough not being able to do that um i have a few events planned but again that's not really what i like to do I, I really like getting out there and helping clients so i'm hoping that once everything hopefully gets under control i'll be back doing that i just for now can't say that that will be anytime soon unfortunately.
4: Yeah. Uh, so I've got to ask you, since I have you live on the show and you're in queue and all that, uh, people, people are asking me. I don't know why they're asking me. Like, how the hell would I know? Okay, yeah, I might
3: know. <laughs> I might know. I might you're a psychic, aren't you?
4: <laughs> I don't know
3: everything. I, don't really, I, I really
4: got some circuit. I created it. I'm part of it. I, I listen to it. Okay. Well, look. <laughs> so. So uh being respectful of course. Uh, so you have a new friend. Um, Mm -hmm. how did
3: you meet him and who is it? Well, you know me.
8: I'm not gonna (laughs) sit here Yeah, I I mean, you know, I just don't I don't see that. I I'm sure everyone's aware by now, but that's fine.
1: No idea oh, what she, the f- hell she's talking about. I'm I'm out of the she, loop.
9: Congratulations she, on your engagement.
1: Oh, you. Well, there you go.
9: That's nice. High. Congratulations. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, wow. I didn't see
8: you got engaged. Congratulations. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you <laughs> know, in all different things, if you read the blog, I'm in the trailer park now, apparently. So <laughs> life changes. Life <laughs> <So, I'll laughs> changes. <I've been laughs> Uh, according, to the blog, according to some of the blogs that's where I apparently am I didn't know that I thought I was in and out of fossils, but who knows I'm up to wild things but thank you everyone I appreciate it <laughs> I'm an arsonist Carissa. I'm an arsonist so yeah, we, we should probably hook up,
4: <laughs> uh, come up right? Right?
8: L-O-L. hey you two got it
4: easy you're an arsonist and you're a paraphernal I'm a fucking pedophile. you got it <laughs> easy man that's crazy. You know,
8: I just, that's why I just don't talk about anything. I mean, you know, I'm in this field because I love the paranormal, and I love helping people, and that's what I'm about. You know, if people want to sit there and discredit me or say whatever they want to say, that's fine. Uh, two of my And they will. will. You know, and will. I mean, I think even we, if I did live in a trailer, what the fuck does that have to do with my ability to investigate the paranormal? You know, I actually right. live in a very nice house that I, can, I can't afford. But I, I live here, and, uh, you know, it makes me go broke. But at the end of the day, that's just material good. That has nothing to do with my ability to investigate or the work that I've done to help people. Just, like, whatever they say about any of you doesn't affect your work. And the only reason they say those things is because they are so jealous and so bitter and it's so sad. Yeah, I think that's well, what that's, we've learned. That's what happens. Yeah. Well, that's Which what happens. when.
3: Oh, I'm hello. sorry.
8: Both, Kelly and I are both murdered. Did you know that? You
3: what? Kelly and I were both murderers. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm
0: I'm
3: what? I forgot this it I forgot about it. Kind of part. I that murders? Yes. <laughs>
8: and I also I sacrificed my children to Evan. I forgot about that part, but
1: you know I We'd sacrifice learn. my children. What are your children, flies or, or ants? <laughs>
3: exactly. what, what the fuck does
1: that exactly. mean? I sacrifice my children to Evan. Evan, are you that yeah. hungry for kids? Are you like the new Hansel and Gretel's? Uh, <laughs> oh, we can in the, uh, in the in the gingerbread house for Hansel and Gretel now?
3: Jesus. Wow. Yeah.
8: I and like I think kids for
4: Evan. If hmm. we've uh. taken
8: anything from 2016, if we've taken anything from 2016, I think this is what we need to learn. They're going to talk, no matter what. We just need to keep doing what we love because it doesn't matter. They're going to talk when they get jealous. So it's happened to every single one of us. And I think in 2017, there's already been challenges. It's making us stronger.
1: Screw them. That's, that's
8: mine. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, know what
7: the idiots
1: the say. is <laughs> the answer. Don't pay I attention to what they time. say.
9: Yeah, I've actually been name. really lucky. No one's picked on me yet, so I've been very lucky. Well, don't talk to me
3: too much. Oh, oh my God. God. I've
9: never been picked on. It. Honestly, never. So well, I'm telling you, just don't be my friend, because if
3: you do, then <laughs> you'll get targeted. You're yeah. If you're my friend, house, you're, you're out, game. <laughs>
8: You know, I guess that's what happens when you have some psycho old lady that stalks you, but everyone becomes fair
3: game. <laughs> so you of oh, yeah, like, my
4: friend. Like, hey, like Kelly and Deborah and I, oh, gee, we we not really want really that stalking crap. <laughs> oh, boy. No, nah, you know, there's always going to, like, we're out on social media, so you really have to get sort of a thick skin. I really do. I, I get mad. I'll be like, well that flaming, blah, 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 you know, but other than that, you got to take with a grain of salt. I mean, just think, how many people out there on social media have bizarre, crazy stories told about them or whatever? You know, you average celebrity gets pounded out there like that. I mean, you know, and I don't even want to mention or, new president, that might be a sore topic right there. I'll really get blasted when I get right off the air, you know. So,
2: you Can know. I say hello?
4: After the show. My daughter
3: said... She goes to the desk. Goes, you want to go get some fish for an aquarium? Bye, guys, gotta, gotta go. <laughs> fish come first. <laughs> yeah,
4: I'm working on getting my aquarium going, and it's going to be really beautiful. So it took me, excuse me, a week to set the damn thing up, and and uh, man, yeah, my entire hallway is going to have aquarium. I'll have about five aquariums. So when you walk into the house, the whole entire hallway area will be full of uh, aquariums and fish Sweet. and and could, what yeah. kind of fish, yes. Yes. What Just kind about of Just about everything you can think of. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Mainly tropical. You know, uh, cichlids, North American, South American cichlids. Uh, I want to have a take, though, of like uh, uh, North American or, or, or uh, what are those? They're, uh, pacus. they're uh, in the Prada family, so I'll have a bunch of them and so we'll have angel fish and all kinds of different uh different ones. So hopefully they won't all eat each other and they'll become a cannibal race, but
9: <laughs> uh, in your house it, knowing you in your house they probably will.
4: I mean hopefully not. We'll separate the right ones and I remember my wife's first experience with my fish tanks, we left to go to the beach and came back, I had two survivors out of about 60 fish. I was pretty pissed. Uh, she had cleaned one tank and mixed some of the other ones with the other ones, and they they had a a feeding frenzy. There was only two survivors out of all the tanks. I was like, what the hell? That was an experience. Well, that was an expensive experience. But anyway, oh. so
3: that, uh,
4: getting back to Chris right here real quick, oh, man, I know that, You're getting ready to go to do a reading. Hopefully your reading goes well. Um, You know, stay in touch with us and uh, give us, you know, give us details of what's going on. People ask all the time. I don't know why they come to me and ask. I'm like, why don't you ask the person? Uh, But, you know, that's the way it is, I guess. We love you, Carissa. Yeah, you know, We love you,
8: Carissa, and we always support you. Well, I love all of you and I appreciate the support and like I said, you know, this year I'm really just gonna be focusing on my health, getting back on track, um, dealing with the diagnosis that I eventually will tell everyone. For now, I'm just keeping it under because 'cause I'm coping. And yeah. I will, you know, um, hopefully be back doing more than just events because to me events are just events. I really like helping people and I like doing cases, but you got to get yourself on track first, and I always preach it so I might as well practice it, right? <laughs>
3: yeah, I want to thank lot. you
8: guys for um, having me on. It's always a pleasure, and I hope that, you know, maybe sometime this year I'll come on with some good news. That would be a nice change of pace. I
2: feel better. Today. I think you're going to have some good news in about six months. Yep,
8: okay. I agree. Hopefully. Feel better, I, though. I hope so, and thank you. Um, bye, everyone.
2: Hi
4: Meanwhile, okay. well. all right, let's see if uh, James Hershey is still with us in this mad race of uh <laughs> this open round table. James, are you still alive I and mean, queue? He... yeah, I'm here, brother. uh, you've been pretty quiet. What happened man? You fall asleep you get you're having a cognitive billion <laughs> spirit for your book, or what's going on? What is going on with you? Have you still been dreaming a lot and, and writing, or what's going on there?
5: Yeah, I've actually got a new uh, a new novel that I'm almost finished with. It's going to be coming out this year. Um, the title I'm going to release right now for the first time, it's going to be called The Devil's Touch, and it's it's a pretty badass novel. Um, anybody that's read my work knows that it's pretty intense, and it's, it's like an adrenaline rush in, in, like, paper form, I guess you would say. But this one's going to be really cool, too. Um, basically, it's about – down here in the mountains, we have a thing called The Devil's Touch. And what that is is basically when somebody has um, – Paranormal abilities, or or when when people claim that somebody has paranormal abilities, that would be anything from ESP to telekinesis to, you know, just whatever your scary little ability things, you know, when people were used to claim people were witches and stuff like that, they would have the devil's touch. And what this novel is basically about is a little boy whose mother was like a religious zealot, and she's kind of crazy. And she tortures her child to try to take away the devil's touch through a purification of pain. So he ends up killing her, and then he hides out and grows up.
3: And he's he a girl that has the devil's punch. And that's basically the premise of,
5: of the novel. It's it's pretty damn intense. And it's basically the things that I had that,
3: that really shook me a little bit, you know? So that'll be yeah. coming up this year, and I'm really looking forward
5: to that. Well,
3: that's cool. That's really cool.
4: Um, all right, so I, I interrupted uh, Dude uh, here, and he was on a roll. He was uh, He was on a roll. Um, and
3: I had a question <laughs> to get to it. Yeah, get it in I was course. possessed. <laughs> 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 that's, that's, they that's took that's over the my mouth,
1: and I had nothing to do but <laughs> hope and talk.
3: <laughs> I hate it. Use holy water. water.
1: <laughs> Next time stop making me a flesh puppet. I'm not your toy, you know. <laughs> okay, I'll do what you told me to do. Yep, I got my hand. You got your hand right up my butt. Yep, I'm talking. You're doing Say I'm doing it. I'm the flesh puppet to the spirits here. I'm the talking. I'm the what? ovulus in the flesh. I've, I've been talking a
8: question to David, and I keep going. Ah, yeah, oh, ah, yeah. Okay, so can I ask you, David? When, and this is a little serious. Oh, yeah. When, when, okay, I watched the whole um, episode, and what's really bothering me, I mean, it is still bothering which me. Which episode? Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Time out. Ref- respond, re- 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 refresh my memory. Which episode? Okay.
8: It's the one I told you about last week, and it may be the rerun of the people, Night with the Young I'm not sure which article it was, but the thing that bothered me the most, which I not sleep that night, and it, it's bothered me so much was that, you know, as you said, Sharon was very excited and very in love and, and ready to start her life. And when they dramatized um, the killings, she was the last one to be murdered. So in other words, she had to <clears throat> sit there and wait and watch all of the slaughters and be the very last one to be murdered. And it was horrific. Yeah. And so I was just wondering, is is that the way it was really portrayed? Because I I can't really get this out of my mind. It's it's really, it's bothered me a lot. Um, so in
1: other
8: words, she had to wait
1: and watch. It, it, wait, wait, wait. First of all, there wasn't any rhyme or reason to the whole procession. It wasn't like they were organized and we're going to kill this person first. It was more like, Everything went, how should we say it, the, the, the plans that I assume the plans that the murderers intended to execute didn't unfold the way they wanted to, meaning that nobody cooperated. So, so to speak, the story that I remember from the book Helter Skelter, which I always refer to as the most credible point of reference point for the murders, is because it was written literally a couple of months after the murders took place. Within a year's time, it was pretty much, it was comprised of all of the evidence that was there fresh. It wasn't 10 years past, looking backwards, coming up with new theories and speculative thoughts and new ideas. It's pretty much fresh off the gosh darn press. And I know that people have come with, uh, you know, new revelations of this person came out and said this. I don't want to hear the stories of what's said later on, 10, 20, 30, 40 years after the murders. There's very little that's going to be added to the real story except for sensationalism and somebody trying to feed off of the, um, the tragedy and try to benefit from it in some personal way, shape, or form. As we've seen, this woman who's in the article has a full two-page article in People magazine. You know, it's a crock. Her whole story's a crock. As I said, there was, no, there was no party there that night. Everybody wanted to be associated with that, who knows why, the sensationalism of feeding off of that kind of um notoriety and people buying into it is just part of what I'm saying. The the real the real flux and the truth of the story was is that Abby, the uh, Abigail was in her bedroom talking to Wojciech who was sitting on the foot of the bed while she was in the bed reading a book. Stephen um, Jay Sebring and uh Sharon Tate were in the living room talking. The murderers came in they walked past the room where Abigail was sitting on, in the bed. Wojciech um, had now gone into the living room or into the kitchen to get something to drink. And when Abigail saw these two people walk by, she thought they were just friends of Sharon's. She didn't know. And then, you know, she, they try to assemble everybody in the living room, the four of them. And that's when everything broke down. You know, the, the Tex Watson said, you know, we're here to do the devil's work. We're all gonna, you're all going to die tonight. Abigail bolted out the uh, front door and, and out onto the lawn. Susan Atkins came chasing after her or Patricia, I forgot who it was that chased after her, tackled her and started stabbing her multiple times. Boydczyk then ran out the front door after her, trying to, you know, save her. Text ran out. You know, it's just, it just broke down. So it wasn't intentionally that Sharon was going to be the last one killed. It just, so to speak, the circumstances of the situation broke down so that by the time... That everybody was killed, meaning Abigail was murdered outside on the front lawn, and Wojciech was also about 40 feet, 30 or 40 feet away from her on the front lawn. You know, had his head smashed in um, by Tex. That when they came into the house, the only two people left was Sharon and Jay, and Jay was was trying to you know. explained to them and rationalized with them that, you know, look, Sharon's eight and a half months pregnant, you know, you can't do this to her. And then they shot Jay because Jay started to put up a struggle and um, Tex shot Jay and shot him and then stabbed him a few times. And then Sharon turned out to be the last one that was left. So I don't know, I don't think it was a planned out type of a thing that, yes, we wanted to make Sharon see everybody, you know, hear the screams of everybody else die, and she was going to be the last one to die. I don't think it was ever, it doesn't matter, I'm being told, it doesn't matter.
2: I don't think it was that
9: organized, is what I'm getting. It really wasn't.
1: Everything broke down because they all struggled and, you know, broke out the house, and Again, you know, the details of how it happened, I'm being told, are so secondary to the fact that it was, it was a bloodbath, just yeah. a complete it bloodbath. Was, the details of how, you know, the sensational, the fallaciousness of the details of how the murders went down are really um, secondary to the fact that it, in the end result, they were all killed They then painted the, the, you know, dipped rags into Sharon's blood and painted on the walls, you know, death to pigs and this and that, you know, the other slogans. The thing that people don't understand is that Manson knew that Sharon lived there. There's a lot of, first, one of the myths I want to demythologize is the fact that they knew Manson, Manson knew that Sharon lived there. Manson came by in March of 1969, a month after Sharon and um, Roman had moved in. And the reason why Sharon knew of this house is because the prior previous um, tenant, because it was rented, was um, Terry Melcher and Candace Bergen. And Candace and and Sharon Tate were good friends. And Sharon had been to Terry Melcher's house there several times before, and she fell in love with the house. And she told Candace that if you ever move out, let me know. Roman and I would love to move in here. I love this house. It's my dream house. Um... And in march some middle march nineteen sixty nine Manson came knocking at the door, searching out Terry Melcher, who was the manager the- produ- the manager of the beach boys and um Sharon was in the backyard famously taking having a photo shoot with this Iranian photographer and um Manson came around the back and started screaming, yelling, Terry, where are you? Where are you, you son of a bitch?" And the photographer came around the corner into the backyard and met up with Manson and said, I don't know who you're looking for, but that person doesn't live here. They're, they're not here. I don't know who you're looking for. They're, they don't, they're not here. And Sharon heard this argument between Manson and the photographer. Sharon came around the corner and spoke to Manson and said, no, Candace and Terry have moved out of here a month ago. I live here now with my husband. And Manson knew who she was. He knew exactly who she was. There's no question, yeah. he, you know, she was all over the place. So the idea that Manson randomly picked this house and didn't know is off the charts false. Um, yeah.
8: That's exactly fact. what I thought. And, you know, my mom read this book when I was in fourth grade. Um, my grandpa was a preacher. And we, when she was reading it, she would put it under the bed when I walked in. And I was like, what is she reading? You know, like, what is this? <laughs> And she was so obsessed with it. And so. You know, fast forward 40 years later, I'm sitting here talking to you about this, and that has always bothered me. Did she go to her last moment watching all this go down, knowing she was next, and it just, you know, it haunts me. It It's it haunted me since I was in fourth grade. Clearly, since my mom was reading that book and hiding it under the bed, I'm like, what's going on? <laughs>
9: It it actually so. happened so fast that I don't think anybody really had time to comprehend what was happening. I mean it was oh, it, it was it was over and done with pretty quickly. I mean,
1: they, uh, not exactly. That's 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 put it this way. When you're talking about how long it took, um, you're talking about 15 minutes. I think more I guess, than that, yeah. even as a matter of fact, from the from the time they walked in to the whole thing being. Uh, from the from time they walked into the time people were, you know, you got to remember Stephen Parent was the first one that was killed. He was the one who was he was the 18 year old kid driving out the driveway. He was about 15 feet from the gate, and Tech stopped him and then started, you know, basically took five pot shots at him with his 22 caliber revolver, point blank range, and killed him. What's interesting is is the neighbors at the time claimed that they didn't hear anything. Later on, they said that they not only heard something, they heard it, they didn't want to get involved. The irony to that is that murder. the murderers were supposed to go to the house next door to the to the tape property and then go down the street to the house, Feet um, right. away to the house next door to my house, and kill all the people in that house as well. They didn't, though. Obviously, they didn't us there would have been 12 other people murdered that night.
8: And that didn't car- happen. The girl in the car that went and said, you know, she didn't want to do anything, and she ended up just sitting there, and she ended up being the one to actually run away and report it. I was like, bullshit! You know, you were in the car; you knew what they were doing.
1: She wasn't and in so the car. She... That's 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 another mis- misnomer as well. She she they, oh, she really? didn't want to. She didn't she, she she because the whole story of what what's being stipulated here is, is she couldn't have been in the car. If she was outside the property when Abigail Folger was running out the, the uh, front door screaming and saying, help me, help me, help me, and she looked and didn't do anything. She wasn't, She didn't participate in the murders, but she was at the scene of the crime, not in the car, because if she was, she would have been two-tenths of a mile away from the house at the bottom of the driveway, which she wasn't. Ooh. Two-tenths, right. three-tenths of a she mile, is as a matter of fact. She's just as
8: guilty, don't you think? I mean, I was thinking, I was watching this, and I was like, "You're in the car with Charles Manson's crew. You're guilty." I don't. Care. She was an accessory, but, but she also
1: turned. It. She turned state's evidence and confirmed what took place. She was okay. the only person of the Manson. She did not raise a blade. She did not raise a gun. She did not. It, it, she was there, but she was not an active participant in the goings-on. She actually was an observer, for lack of better terms, which I know people are going to shit all over me for saying it, but she did not actively participate in the murders. That's why she was given the sentence, the light sentence, and given the, uh, the state's evidence, because she didn't actually kill anybody. She just watched, which is okay. pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty dramatic. But she was there, and um, I think that was um, Patricia
5: Kernwinkle. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Manson. I mean, if it wasn't for her, then then they might not have even got him. You know what I mean? She was no, really you know,
1: crucial. Ronnie Howard, the roommate of Susan uh, Susan Atkins, was the was the component that that turned the whole case. Because first of all, the murders took place in August. They didn't discover them. Didn't figure out the crime it was committed by until December. And it was in November that Ronnie Howard, the cellmate of Susan Atkins, at uh, Civil Brand Correct, uh, Women's Institute, said told the story to the jailer that um, that Susan Atkins had confessed to her of the murders. And then it was delayed again because the jailer had told the information, to, had, mis- had missed, what is it, she missed, Transposed the information that she was told by the by Ronnie Howard, the cellmate, and where Ronnie Howard had said that they wanted to take out Sharon's baby, but they didn't. Well, the jailer ended up, or the, the I guess the the deputy told the LAPD or the um, investigators that, they, that she had taken the baby out. And famously enough, Ronnie said to the jailer saying, no, I told you she wanted to take the baby out, but they didn't have the time to do it. So they didn't. And because of that little bit of misinformation, you know, the telephone game where one person tells the next person, tells the next person, and the story somehow goes from ABC to the last person being JFI. And it's like, well, that's not what I said at all. The point is, is that they finally followed up with Ronnie Howard, the cellmate, and she told them the stories, and that's what broke the case. Because until that happened, it didn't matter about Patricia Krenwinkel, because nobody knew that the Charles Manson family was involved with the murders. So Ronnie Howard, Susan Atkins' cellmate, is the real linchpin that started the whole, the whole, how should we say, the whole set of dominoes flopping down for Manson. If it wasn't for yeah, Susan Atkins bragging about this, we would still have this murder. Manson would still be free. Susan Atkins and all the rest of them would still be free, and we would have never have known who the perpetrators of the crime
5: were. Yeah, I agree with that okay. because Susan Atkins was bragging. But what I'm saying right. is Patricia Krenwekel, without her inside testimony of somebody inside the family... <laughs> I mean, that really concreted the case, is what I'm saying, for, for Bugliosi and the prosecution. Having her... Oh, yeah. No, no. Having her... Yeah, without her, she was... again. Yeah, in, in that regard, once the case was
1: broken, it would have, put it this way, I have no doubt that had Patricia Krenwinkel not participated, yeah, they still would have, still would have, come, still would have it- come to the same conclusion. It just would have taken a lot, 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 lot longer for that to go
4: to trial. That's the difference.
5: Yeah,
4: Hold that, that, that thought, guys. Um, we'll get right back to your topic here, David. We have also in tune now is Heather Lay stream, and I want to hear from her a little bit before we end this segment. Um, Heather, welcome to Beyond Reality Parable Talk Radio. Thank you for coming on. It's the first time being on the show. Um, I know that you've been extremely busy, Uh, going through law school, I think it was. But give me a refresher on what you were doing and and how you're doing, if you will.
2: I'm doing really, really well. Um, I am currently in school taking criminal justice um, with the the core of Homeland Security and going to double major into political science. Um, I've been a paranormal investigator most of my life, I'm a seer and also um I figure my gift was from God. So I I help others and um and I'm also trying to read Latin which is gonna help me with uh with different prayers for just different things. Um I've I uh, just got through investigating the robber's cave but unfortunately took a spill there because the step was um uneven so um I've been nursing a cracked foot and a hematoma on my right leg but um I've Ouch. been doing this for for a long long time so and I I I just I I look up to a lot of of what I call the um the forefathers of the paranormal, like um, like Lloyd Arbach and Hans Holter, and I try to follow in Hans Holter's footsteps most of all. Mm-hmm. So but, but, you know, and, when you mentioned
4: uh, you know your, your homeland security stuff, and well, we might be able to use you on some topics here as of recent, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, uh, um one of the things you all were speaking about were the Manson murders. Yeah. And um that that was a really I remember reading about the case cuz I read read about um killers and so on and so forth and um when somebody comes out with an article many 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 years later my biggest question is is that how can they have a memory like that
4: that's a good question that's a great question Um, Uh, i'll
1: have to say is one yeah yeah. i I just have to interject because I, i have i have clear memories and i don't want to divulge specifics about my age but um,
0: there, there, there's
1: certain, no, no, what I'm saying is, is insofar in, in as the memory is concerned, if it's true, if it's real, it's something that never, it's kind of like how she say? it's burned in my memory, my interactions with the Manson family when I was a kid, a little kid. And they were in the back seat of my mom's car, the girls, because my mom always had a heart of gold and used to drive hitchhikers from the bottom of Bellagio and Church Lane in West L.A., going up the hills, the mountains, to get to uh, my parents' house. And they were going to Jan Berry's house of Jan and Dean. And I remember vividly as a kid in 1969, turning, being in the front seat and looking at those, these three girls in the back seat and saying to myself, There is something with these girls in their eyes that I can't understand what is sending me, like, smoke signals, like, what in the hell is with this, these Mm -hmm. people? But the look in their eyes is burning my memory to this day I will never forget. And I said to myself as a kid going... There's something strangely wrong with these people. I don't know what it is. But I felt, felt, and this isn't okay, like, well, oh, yeah, David's changing the story because it's, because, no, at the time I even said to my mom, because six months later when the murders were, were finally, um, divulged, it was like my, watching the TV and go, my mom says, those girls we, I gave rides to, David, didn't I? I said, yeah, mom, you did. You, you gave them rides to go to Jan Barry's house up the street. And it was like, yeah, wow. to the girls. So, well, I have
7: a question. I have a question for you. Uh, yeah. Do you think that like you had a relative involved with the Manson murders?
1: <laughs> no, I know that for a fact. No, not even close. Okay.
7: Who,
8: who, well, who asked that question? Who asked that question? I. Didn't Is it Judy? Exactly. Yeah. It's Judy. Okay, that's what I thought.
7: No, I just jumped back in because I had to take, my dog had to do duty, so he needs to go out, so I had to take him duty, and I just jumped back in on the conversation. and. <laughs>
3: okay,
7: you, hearing about. you don't know what's going on.
3: You don't know what's going well, on. Exactly, <laughs>
7: but I thought I had to ask for anyway. No
3: that's, a, no, that's a fair question,
1: I would say, by all means. But no, my sister was was definitely not, my sister wasn't even old enough at the time. I mean, let's see, she was 15, so it's not like, um, you know, she was you know, involved with the family or anything like that. But the fact of the matter was is that Jan Berry of Jan and Dean were friends with the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson and Dennis Wilson. And the girls were, I hate to say it, passed off, but... They hung around with Jan and Jan Barry because his house, as I remember, was a compound. They had horses right. up there. They had chickens. And this is up in, upper, in, in Lower Bel Air, up in the hills there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I mean, I used to go to Jan Barry's house because his like, younger brother, uh, uh, Bill Barry, was there. And I used to hang out with him. And it was like, it had this, it, it still had a hippie-esque feeling in the mid-70s when I used to go there in my teens and stuff. Um, so I understood why it was that they uh, were going up to Jan's house to party and stuff. Um, right. and what's ironic is, is that in this 1970 and 1971, on two separate occasions, somebody or some buddies came into my parents' house when we were all asleep and uh, did, uh, what was that thing, the hanky-panky or the, I forgot the, the term that, that the Manson family used to do, where they would go into people's houses when they were asleep and move furniture around and steal wallets and stuff and Mm. You know, see if they could get away with this while people were asleep. That happened twice in my lifetime at my parents' house, and I definitely believe it had to do with the Manson family because my mom would literally say, okay, girls, you'll have to walk up the next half a mile up to Jan's house. This is where we stop. So she'd stop in front of our own house, and the girls would walk up the street. So I have no doubt that the Manson family, which was still together, even though Charles wasn't there, they were still up at the ranch at Spawn Ranch. And um, they uh, decided to do their old tricks at my parents' house on two occasions.
2: You know, you brought up um, something in regards to looking at these girls and seeing that there was something wrong. Um, I had a similar experience. Um, My friends were shot and killed three days before 9-11 in Sacramento, California. And um, a friend of mine, Nick, who was shot, um, just bought a new car. And I looked at this car, and I went, there's something really wrong with it. And Nick just kept saying, look at my new car, look at my new car. Heather, do you like my car? And he was Ukrainian. And he had this really big accent so it was kind of hard to explain but I I just kind of nodded my head and fake smiled <laughs> it. But there was Russian something Mafia the killed car. him. No, I it, 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 it was what?
1: I think it was the Russian it had something to do with his Ukrainian background.
2: <laughs> and uh his best well Joe Ferguson killed Nick and my best friend Marsha and um and it ends up that Joe took that car and shot himself in it. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. And I so, know, and that's when you knew you had, you have a, I have abilities. i been, I mean, it's just that I've just had don't tell people about them. Oh it's just, God! Just know it, it was really no
1: triangle type of situation, kind of like what happened to Debbie and Mark Constantino last year. No, no, it
2: was actually um what happened it now that was a tragedy um yeah very and, uh,
9: much
2: so. that was a, that was a just that that I'm surprised Ghost adventures hasn't done a show' don't, in memorandum don't. of them <laughs>
3: uh
1: i i, I uh, no comment about that I was very no. the with <laughs> Debbie and Mark, and they'd stayed at the house hey, a couple guys. of times.
4: Um, Oh. hey, I'm not didn't interrupt here. We only got about three minutes and Uh-oh. this and the yeah, we started late and I'm looking at the time going, Oh crap.
8: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can we not stand uh,
3: this for another two hours have, We need to talk I'm, for
4: another two hours. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't wanna I didn't wanna be the messenger of bad news here. I'm actually enjoying the show, um you know, after I figured out the issues um and it was all because of Windows ten, you can call the, whoever makes Windows ten, Microsoft, and tell them that you know they got sucky software and it's not really Bill, well,
3: Bill Gates is the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think they very well. Um, and, on the other and side. Trump
8: is the king. Trump is the king.
3: <laughs> I'm just oh, yes, gonna <laughs>
4: <laughs> it took me a little while but when I get you know, when I put my mind to it I can pretty much figure out, you know, issues on the fly and that's exactly what happened today. I was n I was badly determined there was no way in Sam Hell I was gonna allow a technical issue to cost the show not to go on today. After being off the air for nearly two freaking months or more. Not not so yeah, but I got it done, and uh, I know that for the next show, I know what the issue is. It's it's strictly the Microsoft Edge, um, and so I had to download um, Firefox, and because Microsoft Edge doesn't you know doesn't recognize it, and and so I had to use Firefox, and then send so it all new passwords. Uh, I had to create a brand-new Yahoo account to go with uh, TalkShoot here. So I had to do all this stuff in the minutes while we were trying to go live and get that studio up and running. You so, um, rock, Evan.
8: But, but, but if that's the topic for our next show, that's going to be boring. We'll move. <laughs> what yeah, about we'll Bill Gates
2: be- being the devil? <laughs> yeah.
1: so, so, I thought it was Zach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't get uh,
9: started on him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> nope, yeah, I'm, I'm actually working on him. a case he, right now.
0: I, I don't I'm actually working.
3: Of, I was kind of, you know, checking out
4: David Oman's picture. He's kind of looking like Zach these days. What's up with that? Oh, you mean
1: the, what? The the little goatee that I've got going there? That's all I got. I'm, I'm not trying to look like him. Are you kidding? I'd rather shave my dog to look like him. I teach. I'd shave my dog's ass and teach it to walk backwards, please.
3: Oh my oh, god. No. Oh no. That's just, I don't want it.
4: that's the picture I need to go. Well, Super hot. This time off. It really is. It's going to cut me off, and I don't want to be cut short without being able to flap my lips for a second. I just want to thank everybody for coming on and kind of giving us a little wake up call today. You know, trying trying to get back in the swing of things and organizing guests and doing these roundtables takes a lot of experience, a lot of patience, and uh, you if you you know when you're not doing it all the time, you get rusty pretty quickly. So that's what this was was sort of a little wake up call for everybody. Let us to let them know that we're back and we'll be back on the air next Tuesday. Uh same time, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have some new guests that we're bringing on this year, which we'll also be talking about then as well. Uh, with that said, every, everybody, I just wanted to say thanks for coming on the air today. You know, we had a lot of guests on the air today. Uh, we had Krista Fleck and Rebecca Smuck and, um, you know, David Holman and uh, James Hershey, Jr. and Deborah Foster. Hey, Rebecca. And and Rebecca, you know, so I just want to thank them all for taking their time out of their daily lives today to be on the show. Um And uh, with that said, you guys, I want you all to have a great night. We'll you see, too.
3: see you season, too. Three Seconds.
4: Pacific Standard Time. Um I just want to thank everybody for being in queue. So with that said, have a great night. Be good and you do. Stay safe out there. Be careful if you're a ghost hunting Um, David, don't talk to those damn spirits too much. Um, (laughs) It's a pleasure being on. Have me on whenever you want, Evan. It's always fun to talk and chat.
3: (laughs) Uh, It's always a pleasure having you on. on, And
4: and, uh, good night, everybody. Be well. Take care. And God bless. Good night, everybody.
3: Good night.
0: night. God bless. Bye.